Welcome back to the Juice Time Podcast. I'm your host, Noah Adamani. And alongside me tonight is the man in the center of Iowa, my brother, Nicholas Osen of 24-7 Sports. And good Lord almighty, folks, for the fourth time since 2015, the Golden State Warriors are NBA champions. And Stephen Curry has finally earned his NBA Finals MVP. Nick, the NBA season has officially come to a close, and we are down for the long nap until NFL season. How are you doing, my brother? You know, overall, I'm doing really well. It's it's a fun show to kind of talk about, and it's been a good week, but I'm pretty disappointed that, you know, we're not going to have football or, or college basketball or NBA for a while. You know, our favorite baseball team is not great this year. But I'm excited for the World Cup. And, you know, with kind of the amount of cover sports and things like that, it'll, it'll be here before we know it. So we'll be all right. Nick, I appreciate your optimism. We are just under three months away from the National Football League returning. So that is something to look forward to. But tonight, folks, strap in for a wild one as we talk about the Golden State Warriors and touch on Bears minicamp. So thank you for tuning in. And as always, juice up. All right, Nick, as I mentioned, Golden State has done the unthinkable by winning their fourth championship since 2015. And we truly did not see this coming. If you look back to October of 2021, and then roll all the way to the spring of 2022. Who knew when Clay Thompson was going to come back healthy and this team would mesh the way it did come playoff time. And they rolled on to victory Thursday night against the Boston Celtics in game six. In the garden, no less. And Steph Curry put on another miraculous performance. 34 points in over 50 4% from downtown to solidify himself as one of the all-time great players and arguably the greatest point guard of all time. I want to know your thoughts on that statement. Yeah, you know those kinds of arguments were unfortunately ruined for me pretty young at the height of my LeBron fandom with MJ. However, I think this is an interesting one because I'm realizing that even though I've never been the biggest fan of Steph Curry, I wouldn't consider myself a hater, at least not anymore. Uh, I think he's a really good guy and a transcendent player. But I guess I realized that I already had him higher than a lot of people. I'm sure you remember in my time at ESPN, I did like a 72 greatest players of all time kind of bracket. And I believe I had him at 10 or 11. And now a lot of people are just saying that he's, you know, officially top 10, which I think it's fair and, and I think it's safe. But man, I think there's an argument. I think I've got him at seven. Just what I briefly did that night or the next morning. You know, in my opinion, you, you're, uh, you brought it up. I've got comfortably LeBron, MJ, not in order. Kareem, Wilt, I think I've got 
Kobe above him. And then you get into like this Russell, Magic, Curry, Shaq to me. You know, someone that obviously wasn't as flashy. Tim Duncan has all the accolades. So I think there's like this six to 10 spot he's comfortably in. And then when I think of it, the only big name I, I wouldn't have that I just named is Bird. And again, people disrespect him all the time. People disrespect Magic. And we are true. I mean, it's going to sound corny, whatever. But we know what we did when, when we were kids looking at cards and looking at old books and stuff. We are true historians of the game. And you know, I remember texting last year about Bird versus Kobe. I'm not one to put those guys down, nor uh, be a prisoner of the moment. I do think you have to recognize the talent that Steph played with. But yeah, I think he's pretty safely stamped inside the top 10 of all time. Nick, you gave me a lot to think about just in those few moments of kind of ranking those players. And when you mentioned Wilt Chamberlain, of course, that's well before our time. But I think you toss a little bit of disrespect Shaquille O'Neal's way when you mention a few of those players ahead of him, as I believe now and forever that he will be known as the most dominant center in the history of the game. But I do have to respond and say, in the past, I have disrespected Larry Bird. I have been one of those people. And I'll tell you this. I have to put more respect on his name because he won three championships amidst the Showtime Lakers in the 80s, which I'm very much enjoying uh, the HBO miniseries Winning Time. And it kind of highlights that. Lakers Celtics rivalry and us not being around in that era and kind of watching it back. It is left me dumbfounded that Larry bird was able to bring those championships home to Boston back then when the Lakers were arguably at the height of their powers, but Nick Steph Curry, you say you were not always a big fan of his, and you've kind of come around on him. I have never once been a fan of Steph Curry. And I took a moment on Thursday night where I set my phone aside and I was truly just locked in on the game. And I recognized something in him that I'd never seen before in his game over a decade in the league. We know him as the shooter from downtown. People say greatest shooter of all time. And now people are finally starting to say, no, he's one of the greatest players of all time. But my Lord, what he was able to do against Al Horford when the Boston Celtics were trying to climb back in the game late, Steph Curry took Al Horford into the paint on multiple occasions and filleted him on the right side. And that is what stunned me about Steph because he showed that killer instinct. He did not allow a six foot 10, six foot 11 big man get in his way. And I was truly taken aback by that 34 point masterclass that Steph put on to earn his fourth ring. Yeah, I, I always thought the finals MVP argument was a little bit stupid. You know, I, I felt like there were other ways to discredit him if you were going to do that. But now he's gotten that, and 
You know, I vary on this type of thing, but I've got to say, because I was not, I didn't pick the Warriors to win at all, but because I was not someone that discounted their chances or, you know, called Draymond washed or questioned Steve Kerr, all this, I'm kind of enjoying the pettiness of their celebrations. It doesn't really mesh with my personality. I don't consider myself to be like that, but man, it is entertaining. And I have to say, I'm loving just about all of it. Draymond, you know, I have always been a fan. Okay. For the majority, I was in college, maybe not a couple of those Cavs battles, but very much. I mean, he was my second favorite player in that series after Jalen Brown and, you know, Clay, who was not himself, but just picking out random tweets and, and items to bring back. You know, and I do think I like the Grizzlies aura of the team, but I do think that they're saying a lot for not having done really anything. And they shouldn't have even won a series this year. So it's entertaining to me. And you know what? They deserve it. They, the Warriors really deserve to talk and say all this and celebrate as they did it. And they're a modern day dynasty. Nick, you said it best there when you talk about a modern day dynasty in the Golden State Warriors. And to touch on what you just said about Draymond, I have discredited him in the last couple of weeks on this podcast, and he has taken the weekend to call out all of the doubters on Twitter, and several of his tweets have been hysterical. I heard he actually called out the show after you've been talking him down this much over the last couple of weeks. I would absolutely love that, Nick. That would boost our ratings through the roof. Maybe I haven't tuned into his podcast and he called us out directly on the show post game. And if that's the case, I will point all of our listeners in that direction. But Nick, Draymond has had a field day on Twitter and rightfully so. I think the Memphis Grizzlies need to take a major step in the backward direction because. The four-time champs have put a stomping on them over the weekend in their celebration mode, and they have every right to do it. But, Nick, rounding out my recognition of this Golden State Warriors team, I have two major components of that team to shout out, and that is the all-time legend of the game of basketball as a player and a coach. Steve Kerr winning his ninth NBA title. He's got nine of them. And he could very well go and get his 10th in the next few years if this Warriors core can stay together. Steph Curry obviously getting up there in age, but his game certainly lends itself to playing uh, for a long time if he can keep that shot where it is right now. And another one, the mitten, Gary Payton II. That man missed almost the entire playoffs, came back in the finals, and provided a great impact off the bench. And now he and his father are both NBA champions, one with the Warriors and one with the Miami Heat, back with the Shaq and Flash days. And, and you know, as, as we're wrapping before we – touch on our favorite team here very shortly. I've got to give some credit to Kevon Looney. Kevon Looney, 
the best high school basketball player I ever played against in person. He was very dominant in, in Wisconsin, and that was when I was still playing hoop. So I can say that. I didn't realize, and, and other than kind of not having the most athleticism, something that was really tripping him up two, three years ago was his hip and not really being healthy. And this year, he played every single game. It was one of the most, I think of all time, I want to say it was second or third. Can't 100% quote me, but you can quote me that he played every game of the regular season and the playoffs. And I got to say, with guys like him and Peyton and, and Jay Poole and the fact that these owners, you know, when you have that much money and you're in a role like that, do something good with it. And they are not afraid to go into the luxury tax and do what they can to help their team win. And I have to respect that because they've got, you know, more money than we'll ever see, but they're at least trying to keep that team and that core competitive. And I think it's one of the more likable Warriors teams I've ever seen. Nick, that's a perfect way to round it out. I actually did not know that statistic about Kevon Looney until they actually won the championship. And I believe it was Lisa Salter's, uh, interviewing him post game and recognizing that he played every regular season game and in the playoffs. Correct me if I'm wrong, but that's right around a hundred games on the season, which is an absurd amount of basketball to be played. And for a guy that obviously has battled injuries in the past, hat tip to him. Obviously he didn't have a major impact on the finals, but he knows his role very well, and he is now a three-time NBA champion. So, Nick, that is a wrap on the NBA season. I'm looking forward to the draft on Thursday, and I would not be opposed to my beloved Chicago Bulls moving out of the 18th pick and trading for one of the best men in the middle out in Utah known as Rudy Gobert to bring a defensive identity to the Chicago Bulls. And hopefully next show we'll be talking about that trade and reveling in the fact that the Chicago Bulls would have four all-stars in their starting lineup, which is something that has not happened in many a year. I've told you I think the trade might happen. I'm not convinced that Vooch isn't a part of it, but I hear you. And, and I have been long high on Rudy Gobert and what he could bring to the Bulls, as evidenced by our group chat. You've certainly been high on him far longer than I have been, Nick. I'm not a huge fan of his, but I know his defensive presence would be something that could put the Bulls over the hump and potentially win a series next playoffs if they can replicate the offensive domination that they put on throughout the last season with Zach and DeMar. But Nick, we won't be talking about the Chicago Bulls for quite some time unless that trade goes through. And we will be transitioning our focus to our beloved Chicago Bears all summer long and rolling into the season in September. And they just wrapped up minicamp. I obviously had a few takeaways from minicamp just by, you know, seeing updates on Twitter and also 
watching several press conferences from Coach Flus, Darnell Mooney, and JF1 up in your neighborhood, QB. And what I truly take away is that we are a month out from training camp, which is awesome because it's creeping up on us here quick. And what I absolutely love is that Darnell Mooney and Justin Fields seem to be joined at the hip. We obviously know they had a strong connection on the field last season, but they are seemingly spending every waking moment together off the field, preparing themselves for this 2022 season with the new regime in the front office and on the field with Coach Flus. And they are truly bought in. Both Mooney and Fields have recognized that they're not comfortable with the offense yet. And you know what? They don't need to be. So they've got a couple months to clean things up. But, Nick, I want to know your take on the last week of minicamp and your confidence level in Justin Fields. Yeah, I think that you made, you know, a point I said on another podcast recently that I really enjoyed. And it's one of the positives I'm thinking between two of my favorite players and two of the most important in Mooney and Fields, because I am high on Mooney, you know, not just because I really like him. I think he could be a star. My confidence is pretty high in Fields. It's just that we need to get some continuity, not only, you know, with the new regime, but the offensive line and the emergence of some weapons and, you know, obviously some type of a decent defense so that he's not playing from behind all the time. But, you know, I've said it to you. I've I've said it in other places. There's just kind of this sense between fields and Ryan polls that I've got a lot of confidence in this team. And I feel like it's going to be a fairly clean rebuild. Nick, we've certainly been through a, litany of rebuilds in our lifetimes as Chicago Bears fans and this one certainly seems to be heading in the right direction far sooner than ones in the past because coach Flus is well respected around the league and he has built a staff that is clearly working in tandem with the players which is not something we've seen in the past with coaches like Mark Tressman and John Fox. Those are guys that were set in their ways that were not willing to be a cohesive unit with the players. And taking away from Justin Fields' words this past week, he is extremely tight with the new offensive coordinator in Luke Getze, which certainly gives me positive energy heading into the NFL season because he said to the media, you know what? I'm not comfortable with this offense yet. We could not go and play 60 minutes of football on Sunday. We would get bashed, but I am working with coach Getsy every day. I'm working with Darnell Mooney. I'm building strong connections with my receivers, running backs and tight ends. He literally said that Luke Getzey's cooler than the other side of the pillow. So they are obviously spending a lot of time together, and that is truly encouraging at this point in the NFL process. Yeah, that's a uh, point and a name that, you know, I 
I didn't mention. And it's another reason, you know, I was excited about when the Bears made that addition to the staff. And I think, you know, with some of his pedigree, as well as just what he has done or, or at least tried to do and adapt in the, with the offense, I think could be pretty promising with fields. I think we're both high on him. I, I think that I have tried to be patient, even though, you know, national media and people kind of try to bash the bears and rush this along. But I think you just need to see consistency development, maybe try to be around 500 this year and, and really see what happens. I would say my hopes are there and my expectations are there long-term. Nick, obviously long-term is the key with these Chicago Bears. We've got a young quarterback. We've got a young running back. We've got a young, young wide receiving core, obviously led by a third-year man in Darnell Mooney. And you mentioned it earlier, the offensive line is kind of not solidified at this point, which can be concerning. We've got some pieces, obviously, in veteran Cody Whitehair. But there are question marks with the young guys in Tevin Jenkins, who spent a lot of last year injured. But a position group that I wanted to ask you about, Nick, kind of rounding out the show here, your favorite position on the field, if I'm not mistaken, wide receiver. We know that Darnell Mooney is the deep threat. He is going to be receiving the bulk of the targets come September. We know this. Who will be that second option? Do you think it's Byron Pringle? Or do you think Valus Jones Jr., the rookie, will put on a show in camp and be that second wide receiver to take control when Darnell Mooney is being doubled or the route gets broken up? Though I like the Jones pick, and I have since it happened, I was not anyone overthinking his age or anything. I like Pringle in that spot. I, I think it's going to be pretty close, but I like Pringle as kind of that number two. There are high expectations for, as you'd say, your man, Cole Komet, this year. If he can't consistently produce, he truly shouldn't be on the field. In addition, I think that there's going to be some nice, you know, kind of look into the running backs out of the backfield. But you're right about receiver. In the limited times I saw Pringle kind of featured or at least getting good looks in Kansas City, I like what he can do, especially with yards after the catch. I'm on the Pringle train. Nick, I absolutely love to hear your positive energy around Byron Pringle. I wasn't too excited when we signed him because I, I looked at it as polls kind of just collecting average wide receivers because there were a few. You mentioned Dante Pettis. You know, there were a handful of guys that they just kind of signed rapidly. And it does help that Byron Pringle had Patrick Mahomes throwing to him. Makes him look a lot better. But just the three receivers that we've highlighted here, speed is a major factor with those three. And that is something that the Bears are going to have to take advantage of this season in that triple threat at the receiver position. So I'm looking forward to camp here in a month or so. And 
I have hope that our Bears are trending in the right direction. I do too. And I think that they need to be, like I said, long-term, it needs to be a consistent thing. And, you know, I'm going to enjoy the summer, but I certainly can't wait for the NFL to be back. Nick, I am eternally grateful for your insight, whether it be the NBA, Iowa State Cyclones, or our beloved Chicago Bears. So, folks, thank you for tuning in tonight. Definitely a longer episode, but a lot on the docket as the NBA wrapped up and we shift our focus to the National Football League. And as always, Jim's up. Bear down forever.